Welcome to Be The Difference. Brought to you by Back to Back Ministries, continuing to be a voice for orphaned and vulnerable children around the world. We share stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Summerlin, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. First conversation in 2024. First of 2024, which is pretty exciting. I was doing some organizing of all of our podcast files, and I was thinking about the fact we actually recorded our first episode in December of 2020. Wow. Which means it has been almost, I mean, this year, this December, it'll be four years yeah, we're since going we into recorded our, our first year. episode. Wow. So fast, it feels like. And I was thinking about all the different kinds of stories we've heard and all the different kinds of people who are engaging in being the difference. I'm. We've already got a great lineup for this year. I'm super excited for what we've got planned for 2024. And we're going to kick it off with a conversation just kind of around a stat or a quote like we've been doing once a month for the past year. We're going to stick with that theme. And so, Chris, what do you have for us today? Yes, Amy, I think bringing up that we've conversed with so many um, guests who have just really deep, profound, and powerful stories uh, is a great setup for this conversation because it's really a conversation around the question of what do you need in order to be the difference? Like mm-hmm. Where where do you go to figure that part of your journey out? And a lot of times we go to places of continuing education or mm-hmm. training. But I don't know about you, but I'm definitely living in the world where at times I can ask the question of, am I ever like good enough mm-hmm. or do I ever have enough resources or tools to, to actually be the difference in the lives of someone else? And I think a lot of people are having that conversation. So a friend of mine who we've interviewed on this podcast, Michael Sickles, was in a training recently where there was a conversation around uh, the ways in which we can transform communities and systems around us. And to start the conversation, this particular statistic was introduced around the conversation of certification, training, continuing education. So I'm going to read it to you now and just want your initial thoughts when I tell you this stat, okay? Okay. So under training, here's the question. One, how many hours of training are required for a bachelor or a barber's license in the state of Ohio? Do you want to guess or do you just want me to tell you? I mean, like, what do you have to have to drive a car? Like 30 hours or something, right? Like 30 in car? Probably way more than that. Maybe like a couple hundred. You need 1,800 hours of training. Wow in order to um, receive your barber license in the state of Ohio. Okay. All right. So how many hours of training are required for a cosmetology license in the state of Ohio? I'm going to guess something similar. Something similar, (laughs) right? Or it's within 300 hours. It's 1,500 hours in order to have a cosmetology license. And then the third question that was asked was, how many hours of training are required to be certified as a police officer in the state of Ohio? Well, I would hope it would be more in than the same ballpark, right? to yeah, have right. my hair done, which is a very important job. 740 hours. Wow. So a significant difference Yeah. between the two. I mean, less than half of mm-hmm. a um, barber shop. Or a barber licensure. That's fascinating to me. Yes. So what are your initial responses to hearing that difference? 
I mean, I don't want to undervalue cosmetology or being a, a barber. Those are super important roles. Agree. And I take very seriously the skills of the woman who cuts my hair. She's very talented and that matters. And at the same time, I think initially I hear that and I think, well, my haircut is not a life or death situation. Mm. And the stakes feel so much higher for a police officer than for maybe some of those other roles that actually take more training. And and it almost feels like a disservice to send someone into a role where they're ill-equipped or maybe don't not ill-equipped or, or don't have enough training, maybe? Yeah. I guess is what comes to mind first. Like that doesn't feel fair, I guess. That's mm. what I'm feeling underneath. Like that does that feels unjust and maybe reckless. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Disproportionate, right? Maybe maybe a, a healthy yeah, word. Yeah, there we go. Is, it's a good word. It feels disproportionate if roles that invest in humans um on just a care mm-hmm. spectrum like a barber, a hairstylist, cosmetology. If that that feels disproportionate mm-hmm. to the amount of care that we require those in roles like police mm-hmm. um, that give to the community, mm-hmm. which leads us kind of to ask the question of like how many how many hours do you need? Right. Because if how se- much is right? enough? Because if right. we're doing too much in these mm-hmm. other right, like it's a it's a great stat if um, we know the tipping point of becoming an expert happens in those last two to three hundred hours in these in these other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it if it happens at six hundred hours of training in something, then then we're we're good. So I brought you the stat more to talk about like. How do we know what is proportionate when mm-hmm. it comes to what we need in order to invest so that we don't misuse mm-hmm. differences in training um, and that we don't blame or shame ourselves for not having enough? Mm-hmm. Um, we we both train in trauma competency. Yeah. How many hours does it take for one to be certified as trauma competent? I mean, like 16. 16. <laughs> Technically, yeah. you get a certificate at the end of the 16. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you're talking, my mind also jumped to even working for a ministry. So serving internationally. When I came on board um, with Back to Back 13 years ago, we did not have any formal training. Right. Um, there wasn't any sort of onboarding process, really. We were a much smaller organization at the time. And I didn't go through extensive training like our staff do now. We've grown a lot in that because we did realize that it is more challenging to go into a role if you don't have the training, especially a role as complex as serving like vulnerable populations internationally. Like there's a lot of complexities to that, but I literally had no training. And I think there are a lot of things that I probably learned the hard way because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the same time, there are so many things that you couldn't learn sitting mm-hmm. in a training space. We had to either shadow someone who was already doing it. We had to have our mm-hmm. own experiences in that. Um, this this conversation around you know these these hours led me to start thinking about um, 
what is my belief system around the balance of apprenticing versus just like like gather gaining information or learning mm-hmm. about a topic or learning from someone else who is practicing it and i think there there has to be a balance there right mm-hmm. like we can we can say that solutions are in training spaces um however um take the example of a police officer i was just rear-ended a, a couple of weeks ago it's a four car pile up. I'm in the I'm in the front, so I last you know, thing you needed that day. <laughs> last thing it was not it was not an enjoyable experience, and it also wasn't an ex- enjoyable experience because the person who struck the rest of our cars um, was not driving their own vehicle, and then another individual entered into the narrative and was very dysregulated and frustrated. And watching this police officer both navigate the accident and the insurance, like all, you know, gathering the data as well as the role of de-escalating someone else on a highway where traffic is trying to get around. Um, and it was cold and there are people just standing outside. It, it was just so many relational skills, <laughs> emotional skills, yeah. psychological skills while trying to also do the practicalities of paperwork for yes. an accident. Yeah. And all of that's happening. And I'm thinking, I may have to like input in my training into these next few moments mm-hmm. because I see people dysregulated right now. I see that this thing could escalate. Am I, how am I going to help create peace while we work all of this out? Um, yet I'm looking at this officer and thinking, you can't know how your body responds to these different um, inputs that are happening until you practice it and until mm-hmm. you're present in it. And so it just leads me to think about that that healthy balance that we need in our lives of learning new things about ourselves and the, and about the best ways in which to navigate things for humanity mm-hmm. and the amount of hours that are practicing it. Um, which back to the set, I think would actually be part of that because I would like to dive in. I believe that... You, a lot of those first two categories, your hours are actually pre- practicing on mm-hmm. different people. Yeah. And I've been invited into that of mm-hmm. someone who's trying to get a license, like, hey, can I cut your hair? Yep. Because I am. I need to practice on someone who is not going to be offended if, if my line isn't perfect right. yet. Right. Um, and I wonder in that third category, if there's something there to discuss around you know, the, is the gap, the classroom, is the gap experience, is the gap shadowing? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Yeah, it's, you said the word balance and it made me think like, uh, there's such, like thinking specifically about the kinds of conversations we have when we're talking about being the difference in someone's life. How many times have we asked someone, was there a moment when you felt like you didn't know what you're doing? And their responses all the time. All the time, yeah. All the time. So what is that balance between not feeling like we have to be the absolute expert before taking the step to engage with someone else while also realizing that equipping and training and books and podcasts, those all help us in those situations where we're stepping into the life of another person. And we're never going to have all the answers and we want to rely on like the Holy Spirit. Like there's all this and there of that balance of wanting to be well-informed and equipped. I think about that with like a foster parent. I want them to have the training about the impact of early childhood trauma and ways to engage kids that empower their bodies and teach them new skills. And they're never gonna have all the answers in every moment. Like I have taught 
trauma competent care for like nine years now. I still have moments where I don't know what to do and I say the wrong thing and I engage in a way that's not helpful. Like how how do we walk that line? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it leads me to think about the question like what what are we doing to make sure we're setting ourselves up for success? Mm-hmm. And I mean, first we always have to define what success is, mm-hmm. but in places, if we see that there is a disparity between the outcomes that we're hoping for in our homes, our neighborhoods, communities, if we see a gap between what we're hoping for and what is, then the conversation may be, are we setting the people responsible up for success Mm -hmm. and i think you can take almost any calling slash profession and put that in whether i was a young youth minister and you know starting in a church Mm -hmm. trying to gain experience it didn't matter how much classroom experience i'd had for four years um, until you navigate that and i can remember the first time that i shadowed someone to a hospital Mm -hmm. um, in a scenario where it did not look like um, this person was going to be able to overcome this illness and thinking there is no training that prepares you for for standing in this moment with the family mm-hmm. and praying through this. And I was deeply grateful for the mentor who was standing next to me because he really showed me what compassion and um, presence and empathy looked like in that moment. But I had to experience mm-hmm. it. And so I think it's really good for us to continue to ask the question of what what success are we hoping for? And as we look into roles around us, school education systems, teachers, counselors, community service, you know, endeavors, and then mission work, a lot of mm-hmm. the people that we talk to, asking the question, are we, are we helping create space for others to succeed in this area? Mm-hmm. And if I'm the one who's going, who's stepping into that, what resources or training can I seek out myself? Right, I think we have... Right some some level of responsibility in that you mentioned the international mission community i feel like that's a big shift we've seen in the last probably 15 to 20 years is maybe more so last 10 years realizing the importance of putting people in roles that they're specifically equipped and trained for Mm -hmm. there's been some pushback internationally of sending international missionaries into a role that they have no training for but realizing that actually it gives honor and dignity to that role and and the people who you're serving to send someone who is equipped and trained specifically for that role. I think that's another shift we've been trying to do at Back to Back, but that's kind of a shift in the global community. It's why we give training to all our mission trip guests, why all volunteers with Back to Back Cincinnati go through extensive training because we want to give people the tools that they need. So I think that's our our takeaway is one, which, which side of that am I on? Am I thinking that I'm not equipped enough so it's keeping me from stepping in to being the difference yeah yeah or am are we on the side of maybe i need a little more training and resources and and we have some encouragement to go out and seek that yeah and i would my my closing thought on it would be that um here we say that we we're constant learners Mm -hmm. because the training or the learning always grows and there's always another problem to solve or there's always another new understanding to go through and so that initial training uh, like what I shared at the beginning gets us into the door of being the difference in some place it doesn't it's not a finish line Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's really important for me to, to remember and um, to think about how I communicate to others is that um, my degree or certification is not a finish line saying I'm now this, but it is a key that unlocks a door into a place to say, I can now belong here. How do I grow from here? What do I need to know from here? Mm-hmm. And, and what does success look like on the other side of that door as we continue just to grow and learn because the need to learn just never ends. Mm -hmm. I hope that this is a place also where people feel like they can hear conversations that equip them. And that's one of our hopes. I mean, you and I learn things all the time through this process. And we hope that you'll continue to learn along with us in 2024. We will see you on the next episode.